I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and our favorite media. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore-focused folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co-host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? I got out of that soul stone, so I'm pretty okay. Yeah, I mean, what is, what is the situation? Is it like a Pokeball? Are you asleep the entire time? Can you see what's going no, on? No, no, no. It's, it's actually, it's more like... Um, Hmm. You know the Phantom Zone from you know, the Superman I was movie, not, just not going from to say, the comic, from, is the, it, from the, the movies. The Phantom Zone yeah. where there's trapped in like the little trapezoid moving through space and time? Yeah, you like that, except you're not being flipping through space. Just some jerk is carrying you around, and you can see out of it, and, but you know, you're know you still inside it. Uh, it's like you're inside a small... It's a, You know what? I'll use the example of a genie's bottle. It's ah. like being in a genie's bottle, and you can see out of the bottle because it's a bottle. Uh, but you're like, really small inside it. And you don't really actually have a body or anything. So you're just kind of like, ah, yeah, it's, it's, it's unpleasant. That sounds unpleasant, but well, I'm glad you're out of that so that we could, you know, have this podcast and talk about some of these wonderful questions our listeners sent us. Uh, yeah. So today we are going to be answering your questions. Uh, if you have questions for this or any of our podcasts, be sure to send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. You can go ahead and just specify what show it's for. If you uh, want to hit us up on our Discord server, we have one for our uh, for everybody, which is just the Q and Podcast Questions channel, uh, and then we have ones that aside specifically for our Patreon supporters, which is where the vast majority of these questions come from. It's our special way of saying thank you. Uh, again, we ask that you specify what show it's for, but also if you have a special pronunciation of your name. It helps us out. Uh, so this one comes from our friend Gavlin, who. Uh, you know, Gavlin's been sending us a lot of questions lately. Thank you, Gavlin. Thank you, Gavlin. Uh, northeast of Zabinze in Hawazar, you run across a platform and get the text, The Lost City of Yura. 
It's been a while since I read the legend and looked at the concept art for Diablo 3's development, but what's the deal with Yura? Wasn't it supposed to have ascended to the high heavens? What do you think the significance is it of, of it being in Hawazar, since Hawazar is outside of Sanctuary? Is that what it escaped to? Is it possible that this is where Akarat went to? Connect the dots for me, please. Matt, do you have opinions on this? What do you think? No. That's a lie. We all know that's a lie. <laughs> I know. Uh, let me put you this way: the uh, the city supposedly ascended. That's you know that's just that's in previous lore. That doesn't necessarily mean that the city, the physical city, the actual buildings and so forth, went there. It could just be that the people went there. Um, basically, though, the lost city of Yura is a reference to uh, a realm of the pillars, which is an old. This is is it's basically I don't want to call it folklore exactly because it's it's part of let let's just call it Arabic myth and legend. Um, it, it's a location that's been spoken of as as literally a missing city. And the thing is, it's based in reality. Like an actual city did vanish. Like they the yeah. city simply is not there. Um, but it's a reference to that. And Yura itself, I don't know what we're gonna. I don't know if we're going to find out that it did go to the heavens or not. I have this really weird theory about what's been going on in heaven uh, for since Diablo three, because during Diablo three, something unthinkable happened in heaven, namely that a prime evil walked and attacked the uh, crystal arch. And Joe, I believe a couple of shows back now, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking back when we were doing our big Diablo four retrospective, um, with with Liz, I think Joe made the point that the Crystal Arch might not have come through that unscathed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Joe and Liz were both talking about it, and I've been thinking about that ever since. And it's like, what exactly happens? I mean, obviously, at the after Diablo was defeated, the uh, the angels seem to be like rally. They seem to come back. Imperius seemed to be okay, but when the when the arch was actually being attacked, all the angels dropped. Yeah, they couldn't function. We actually had yeah, to go save a bunch of down. them. Yeah, like they just collapsed. We saw at one point Aperius and the others that were following him, his direct uh, servants, just all went down. Like while you were looking at them, and that has me thinking: we maybe we've been thinking about what an angel is and what their existence is entirely wrong. We can definitely talk like, about that in a little bit, but I want to I want to keep going, stick with the Ura first. Well, that's what I'm going for here. When it says it ascended to the high heavens. That doesn't like I said. I don't think that means that the physical city. Well, we know that the physical city. Anywhere. We know that the physical city didn't, though, right? Because yeah, in in the Kingdom point. of Shadow with Richard Knack, like uh, they, the city is still there. The treasures of the city are still supposedly there, mm-hmm. right? Isn't that the whole the whole concept of it? And the, isn't there like um, isn't there a trio that go after it? I haven't read that book that story in a long time. So if you're asking me to like give you plot details on it, that that much I can't do. Yeah, I think uh, it was. I, uh, I think because there was a necromancer. I think it was Zale. I think was the one that uh, that yeah, the uh, like one assisted. Was, I think he is technically the the canonical necromancer from Diablo two. Yes, and that's what's interesting here because it's another example of a reference to one of the canonical Diablo two characters. Because keep in mind, in Howazar, the paladin from Diablo two's resting place is found. Yes, we know where he died. And we know what he was doing when he died. I don't think here's my thing about Hawazar. I, I know that the, the witches 
say that thing about how is our be you know you know leaking into sanctuary and then people saying it's it's on sanctuary and they were like is it i don't i'm not saying that that's not accurate i'm saying what it actually means isn't as simple as how is our is from someplace else yeah. I, I think it's it's more like how is our itself well Let's. I don't. I don't. Let's. Know how let's, to let's. I think. I think. I know where you're going with this. I've been thinking about this a lot too. Let's think about it in terms of just what we know from Diablo Four, right? Mm-hmm. So in Diablo, we've the series. We've already seen that you can get to Hell by Hell Gates. Those Hell Gates are places on Sanctuary that lead to the realm of Hell itself. It is stands to reason that if there are gates to hell on Sanctuary or methods of which to open some form of portal between them, that the idea of opening a portal between other realms or finding a way to connect those other realms back to Sanctuary, it's not unheard of, right? So, like, getting to heaven, how does one get to heaven? How does one ascend to heaven? They never really explained that, right? When we yeah. go there... and Diab- go through a portal. We go through a portal. In Diablo 2, you fought... You you were in the high heavens, and the high heavens was butted up against the the eternal battlefield, and on the other end of the eternal battlefield was hell itself. Like there were like Pandemonium Fortress didn't exactly exist in Euclidean space, right? Like all of these places, all of these things sort of exist extra dimensionally and sort of overlap in weird and strange ways. We've seen this. We've seen sorcerers that were able to open up portals or get a path to heaven. We don't know what that means, but they were able to get there. While you're talking about that, though, uh, in Diablo 3, when you are in Pandemonium, things can come up out of the ground and, and attack you. Yes. And if you kill them, they turn into portals. Yes. And inside those portals is another world that you can go to and you can run around in it and then you can come out. It's like... But that's not the way Hawazar seems to exist. And that's one of the things I keep thinking about. There's no portal when you go to Hawazar. You just ride down the road. Yeah, you're just there. In and we've been underground in both Hawazar and other parts of Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff is the same. Like all the underground stuff, the, the weird tendrils, the, the pulsating, you know, for lack of a better word, Sanctuary's guts seem to exist in Hawazar. So... We've talked before about this. We were talking about this, I'm going to say, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. We talked about the concept of when, this, when the World Stone was used before and the echoes of the World Stone's original creation. I think someone even asked us about it, and that's when we first started talking about it. And I've been thinking about that, and I've been thinking about what angels are. And I've been thinking about what demons are. Because here's the thing. The seven evils were the heads of Tathomet, right? That, that ripped themselves out of its corpse and, and started doing evil. Mm-hmm. But does that mean they're not actually like in a way, are they still just that thing's heads? Like if you found Tathomet's body, we know the Tathomet's body, Tathomet's body is the burning hills. Yeah. But if you found the specific thing, like the, not the concept of it, but the thing of it, much like going to the heavens, the crystal arch is right there. It is the spine of the diamond warrior mm-hmm. and it's visible. You can go to it. You can attack it. <clears throat> I think that when you talk about like Ura here and the city's actual location in Hawazar, I think that Hawazar is a, is a remnant of another. Yeah. And I agree with that. Attempt. And I think that it is, it's like a pearl that sanctuary has insisted. 
maybe for lack of a better term, I mean, it's not the right word, but I don't know what word to call when you get an outside fragment in your body. One of the things that body might do to incorporate it is to envelop it and then absorb it. That is something that actually has happened to me. I had a, a really bad scar when I was younger. Uh, there was lots of foreign material in the, in the injury. Cause it was a, it was a burn. And so my body created a really big, like for lack of a better word, a big bolus of scar tissue. I had it on my leg for years, but as I grew, my body incorporated it. Mm -hmm. All that stuff is either just part of me now or is gone, but the mark on my leg is still there. Now I think in a psychic sense, that's what how is is. There's definitely a possibility for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I also don't think that that means Hawazar is now just part of Sanctuary. I think that Hawazar is Hawazar. But in a way, I think that that's true of other places on Sanctuary. Yeah. I so think when we, go, go ahead, because I know you've got something, Joe. No, no, I was going to say, so one of the other things that we talk about, too, is like, we haven't seen all of Sanctuary. We've talked about like the Scovos Isles. We talked about these places that we know existed, but there's a lot of places that we we've been to that didn't exist before or existed in different capacities. One of the things I was actually really curious about is we know that there all these realms going back to something we talked about before, all these realms are sort of created with the world stone beforehand. And what is the world stone? It's the eye of Anu. It's, it's sort of this piece of a, of an all being God that was able to create entire worlds um we don't know what happens to that we've never known what happens when those worlds cease to exist or if they do actually cease to exist because as long as fragments of the world soul exist or the, the the world uh stone exist in any capacity can they actually truly ever go away and in the same way that we we're talking about the angels and and the the devils and all the primevals of hell they don't cease to exist. When they die, they just reform. Angels lose their their memory of what they are or what they were beforehand, but the concept is reborn and it's some it, it, the cycle continues anew. When the demons are reborn, they remember everything, you know, but they're they're still reborn. There's no they're not completely gone. There's that's part of the whole shtick and story of of Diablo and Diablo Four. What if that's the same with the worlds? They're still created from the essence, the same essence everything like owes its lineage to do they go away or do they just magnetically pull into whatever else is created like how is our we talked about it or, being or go ahead going on that same idea maybe it's not so much that they're pulled into what's created but we've talked before about the concept that the the entirety of sanctuary and the entirety of the existence around sanctuary is anu essentially creating a more complex existence for itself yeah a more perfect a more perfect a perfect being by yeah just you know in order to know oneself one has to experience and one has to so forth and so on what if they are recreated because they are the building blocks Mm -hmm. like i this is gonna be a really weird reference guys iterations right yeah well not just that i was watching um strange new worlds the other day they had the crossover with with uh lower decks which everyone thought was going to be ridiculous, but it was actually, it was funny, but it was also actually kind of serious in places. But one of the things they talked about was the tradition that when a starship is made, if there's a previous starship of that name, they use a piece of that starship yeah. in the new starship. That's, that's an old, like, that's an old naval thing. Yeah. But I only, re- I only remember it because I just saw it on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what if that's what happens with the world stone? When the world stone creates when it was first used to create a world, it had nothing to go on. So 
so it just created a world. And then, of course, that world collapsed. But then it was used again. It's been used multiple times, and those worlds always collapsed. Uh, did they collapse because they were just in, insufficient to keep going? Did they collapse because they were made by only one? We also don't. Two? We also don't yeah, know what don't collapse know. means. Yeah, we don't even know what that means. So that that could also come into this. But what if every time the world stone's been previously used, it's created a world. That world has existed for however long it existed, uh, and then it you know air quotes collapsed because we don't know what that means. And then the world stone's used again. It's going to draw upon previous experience. Or it's, yeah, it's going to use it almost like a starting to, point. Yeah. So what if there is there is fractally within every world created by the world stone all the previous worlds created by the world stone. And that's kind of what I want. That's kind of what I was getting at a little bit too. You just kind of got there yeah, faster. I just, I just wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to mention it because that means that there could be within Hawazar a piece of an earlier, you know, cosmos, which could be Ura. And we've, and we've seen almost we've things seen that would lend. Things. Yeah. We've, we've seen things that would lend that credence to that, right? We've seen things that, you know, uh, again, non-Euclidean spaces, things that are bigger on the inside. Why are they bigger on the inside? Where well, is this well, space? Why are there realms of fractured faith uh-huh. in the heavens? Yep. You know what I mean? Like, why is there a, a place in the heavens that is like a palimpsest of every place you've ever been? A palimpsest, and, you mean? Yeah, palimpsest, sorry. That's uh, okay. you know, I, I just don't know how to pronounce the word. I just yeah. read it. But yeah, the palimpsest of all previous places you've been, why is that there? And what does that have to do with fate? And why is it that the heavens can't and, def- determine, you know, the fates of humans? And just so you, and so everybody knows, like a palimp, a palimp cest uh, is something reused or altered uh, that bears visible traces of its earlier forms. So things that are repurposed or transformed from one thing into another, but still retain identifying marks of the original, is a palimp cest. It's it's an odd word. That is very good in this instance, but I it's I'm not sure many people have heard it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's about it's a, it's often used in art because there are many manuscripts and and, and medieval works of art that yeah. were just drawn upon a you'll, previous work of art. You'll hear you'll hear that in archaeology architecture as well. Like our uh, architecture refers to to buildings that are reborn out of like ruins or recreations of buildings or remodeling the buildings as palimpsests. Like this this room yeah. is like actually as old as like the previous construction. Yeah, I have a tattoo that actually i had done over a previous tattoo which is technically I, a palimpsest yeah yeah which i deliberately kept the uh the the marks of it so you can see them when you look at the tattoo that's that's the same kind of idea and i think that that applies to sanctuary like i think that because we we're used to thinking of things in terms of concrete physical three-dimensional objects but we keep forgetting that sanctuary is a world that was willed into existence yes um and we often think you know Inarius and Lilith didn't design it. They wanted it to exist, but they didn't tell it what to be. They couldn't. They couldn't conceive of an entire world. So they they're they're like make us a world to go hide in and the worldstone did the rest. Yeah, you know? and, and we see shades of what we're talking about too here with like some of the early quests seen in Diablo 4 as well and I want to bring up the when we go to the uh what is it? The the tomb of the first, the tomb of the the firstborn. Uh, yeah, the, um, the necropolis. The necropolis. Yeah, the necropolis that we go to originally when we have to travel across the Black Lake. It is a place that exists. We physically go there, but the way that we get there is through ritual 
in in magic and by having a sort of a divine spark in our blood thanks to having consumed the blood petals of 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 Lilith here and the interesting thing about that is we can still get there that place has existed but what was that place why does it exist yeah and why is it's very similar to the place rathma was was at when he discovered the prophecy Mm -hmm. and we go to that place too and we have to go there by getting in a coffin and do we actually drown to get there like are we dead when we go there like that's never clearly stated. No, it's never like there's, there's there's a lot of like interesting bits that sort of like feed into this is there are I, the sanctuary contains multitudes is really the, yeah, the best way that I can phrase it. I think. And, and one of the things that like Joe just made me think of is there's places like Aranok. Yeah. The desert and on the other side of the world, really. It's, it's just across the strait, but it's it's on the other continent. Luke Golain is in Aranok. And that's where Baal was trapped for a very long time. But Arnok was also full of all these undead. And those undead were created by Mephisto. And that had me thinking, the cities and places that we now know of in Arnok, like Luke Golain, they are built on top of an entire previous place. Because Arnok didn't always look like that. And, you know, when you go to to Chaldeum, we don't see it when we go there in Diablo 4, because I don't think we, we don't have time to head out there. But when we went to Chaldeum originally in Diablo three, we end up going through the like the arcs through the um, aqueducts. We travel through them and come to some like oasis place, and then after that, we go out to the scar of the Vizjari Mage Wars. Which remember, those took place a very long time ago. Those Mage Wars were in fact how the Burning Hells found Sanctuary because the mages were summoning mm-hmm. demons to use in their wars, and that place is completely unlike any place you've ever been because reality itself melted from all the stuff they were doing magically and it's very reminiscent of what we find in ura just in a different direction yeah so i want to go back to ura a little bit because there is there is stuff in the because it's very it's very interesting and there's stuff in the book that i think is 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 absolutely fascinating so the people of sanctuary believe that ura ascended but part of the problem is that it actually we know that it didn't it didn't quote unquote ascend it almost like plane shifted it's between the mortal and immortal planes quote unquote uh neither living nor dead uh diablo had disguised himself as an archangel uh miracodis uh and like basically got juris khan and atana with visions of himself uh, to sort of like try to go through this whole ceremony to open a portal. And he was framing it to them that it was going to be a portal to heaven. Here's the thing. It wasn't, it was supposed to be a portal to hell so that the prime evils could use the open portal as a means to basically invade sanctuary. We've seen this before. They've done this before, but what wound up happening yeah, is fact, the triune are another example of this. Yes. Just oh, absolutely. Something. Absolutely. Uh, but Gregus Mazi, uh, was never, he was made out to be a traitor, but he wasn't a traitor. He found out that Juris Khan was in league with the Dark Lord of Terror, uh, and the reconfiguration of the spell led the city, uh, towards heaven, but not towards hell. He basically is the one that, instead of opening the gate, shunted it out of reality by modifying the ritual and spell that he was presented. Uh, so as far as we know, and, and it, it killed, according to the book, it killed everybody. Like everybody was just dead. Um, so it's 
there, but not there. It's in the space in between spaces. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like maybe something we went to and saw the, uh, the, the tomb of the first ones maybe, or the firstborn? Um, does that seem like a trend that we've gone through many times in Diablo four, where there's this thing that's just shunted just slightly out of phase. So yeah, it's Yura is an interesting place. And from a non lore standpoint, it was originally supposed to be in Diablo three. It was actually part of the Diablo three reveal trailer. Um, mm-hmm. And then that content was cut with everything that happened with the uh, tumultuous uh, ups and downs of Diablo three. But that doesn't say we might not get there in Diablo four, because there are certainly more than one reference to it. Yeah. And keep in mind that the area we find it is in how is but that doesn't mean it's considered how is mm-hmm. Because it was originally said to be east of Kajistan, but that's all it was said is east of Kajistan. When when you go east of Kajistan, you eventually just run into Hawazar, and that you, it's true that Kajistan treated Hawazar kind of like its own little piggy bank to to like you know convert people and do whatever they wanted. So yeah, for that matter, we don't even really know where it is. Like even though we've been there, that that is a problem in Diablo sometimes. Yeah, you you don't actually know where it is, even though you've been there. But I mean, that's well, the, going back to what Matt was talking about earlier. That's one of the things that makes Diablo Four probably the more to me, one of the most interesting Diablo prospects we've ever had because with everything we've talked about with the possibility of extra realms, the possibility of like Matt said about taking those realms and encapsulating them into it or using them as building blocks or even like DNA or DNA. Like like Like, if you like think of, if you think of sanctuary as the child of all these previous world stone creations, because those Worldstone creations were created by the Worldstone out of itself and therefore are part of the Worldstone. In a real way, the Worldstone still exists as long as Sanctuary exists. And in fact, when Sanctuary quote-unquote collapses, it might just collapse back down into the Worldstone. When people die in Diablo 3, where do they go? The Worldstone Chamber. Yep. Which is, you know, in Pandemonium, where the Worldstone physically was. And maybe still physically is even though we can't see it or interact with it also this idea that like it shattered and destroyed there's also the possibility that maybe that's part of it i mean that's what it did i mean if you think about what happened to um oh bloody hell i can't remember anu's name anu why would i remember anu's name but i could remember that i couldn't remember anu's name that is really <laughs> messed up Brandon. uh but like when anu divided itself it divided itself into two and then those two in their quote-unquote destruction of each other, divide it again. Subdivision, subdivision, yeah. subdivision, like right? Joe pointed out when we were watching the uh, Book of Lorath videos that at one point he shows a tree, just a tree, mm-hmm. and from each of the, the tree branches off into the various lords of hell and the various archangels, and you see them. But the interesting thing about that to me was like, yeah, and it, the tree, I think it's a double meaning too. Just, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like, I just want to jump oh, in here real oh. quick. The trunk is supposed to be Anu, but what does a tree have below that commonality? We often think about a tree branching upward and outward, but it has but it roots. Down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what what are those roots that make Anu, that make everything else? Sorry, please continue. No, but that's an actually interesting way to look at it, because one of the things to think about with a tree is that a tree is inherently fractal by its nature. Absolutely. A tree branches, and each branch branches. Until it gets to a point where now you've got shoots everywhere. Mm-hmm. If you look, if you look at it in terms of how, if you ever seen like electrical wood, wood burning, which is incredibly dangerous, don't do it. Uh, people at home don't do electric wood, wood burning. But if you've ever seen it, you watch as the path burns into the wood 
and then frac it branches out. It just goes, and then there's all these like pathways stretching out from it. And that to me feels an awful lot like what we're looking at because what we're looking at isn't something that is static. And that's something we forget. Trees aren't static. Nope. Those roots that the tree puts down, like when you plant a tree, you take a seed, you put the seed in the ground, the tree, you know, the seed immediately starts breaking open when it starts to, for lack of a better word, hatch, although it's not what you would call it. But when it begins to sprout, it, of course, the stuff goes up out of the dirt that we're used to that, but it also then goes down into the ground as Joe is talking about. That's what we're witnessing. Except we're witnessing it at a speed where we see it happening. Like with a tree, it takes a long time for this stuff to happen. You usually don't get to see it. Mm-hmm. Like life doesn't come with time-lapse photography. But here, and what we're talking about, like the 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 thing Joe was just talking about from the Kingdom in Shadow. Um, I'm trying to think of the right way to put this, but why is it always so easy for Diablo to pretend to be a divine being? Why is it that Diablo can keep doing this? Like the primevals do this a lot. How come? I mean, you'd think it would be just total anathema to them, right? But it isn't. But they're all drawn from the same essence. Yeah. They, not only are they all drawn from the same essence, but think about Imperius for a moment. Imagine if Imperius just showed up in a city and started laying waste to the place. Well. Yeah. No, but think about what happened yeah. with Malthiel. I was Malthiel just going to say that. Yes. And started laying waste to the place. And did, did they feel distinctly <laughs> different from demons? Well, like, I mean, there were differences, but did they feel like. But let's, uh, let's look at you're, you're missing one very specific one that I think is a perfect example of this Iswal or Iswal. Yeah. He was a fallen angel turned servant of the burning hells. Iswal became a demon An angel became a demon. So why can't a demon take on the visage of an angel or maybe become an angel? Yeah, well, that's we haven't seen that happen yet in terms of them actually becoming one, but we have seen it in terms of, like I said, it is real easy for these guys to pretend to be one. And Diablo certainly convinced a whole lot of people. They're, like, I'm just trying to point out that the essence know? that they're made out of seems to be very malleable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, to answer your question, because since you did ask a specific question about us explaining all this, and we have not, because <laughs> well, first off, because it's us. And I, yeah, I was going to say, let's be honest, they expected this. Yeah, Gavlin knew what, it, what they were doing. <laughs> But in terms of the significance of it being in Hawazar, I think that narratively the significance of it being in Hawazar is Hawazar and, and Kedjistan are almost a gradient between, yeah. you know, this is something that is very rooted in this world to this is something that is very much not rooted in this world. And by having Ura be there on the border, it becomes like a symbol. It becomes in a way a gateway to Hawazar. Yeah, and I think I think it Hawazar uh, itself, like Ura Ura being tangentially linked with with Hawazar, makes sense because Hawazar is where we start to actually understand that there are gradients to existence. Like the way that Matt puts it, I think is spot on. Right there, are, there are levels to existence. It is a layered and varied existence of this world. Nothing is black and white, and also the world itself we've seen shift dramatically over the course of the last 50 years in game mm-hmm. right we've seen we've seen whole landscapes move we've seen mountains removed uh, i mean we saw mount area explode right um we've seen uh continents shift more or less like we've seen growth and transformation of the world as time has gone on and things have occurred and how is our sort of like solidifies that as an option it's like yes 
we're kind of here, but we're not. We're part of sanctuary, but are we? Everything is in question. Challenge what you know, because you don't know anything. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah, all, it's, exactly. it's often like what we talk about with uh, world of Warcraft. The cosmology chart is one point of view. There's tons of point of view that challenge that, but they're all technically correct. So, but I know that doesn't answer your question. I know we didn't talk about where Akarat went to, uh, or if they went to anywhere. I don't know if we, they, they could still be around. They could be in another pocket dimension. Maybe they're maybe, uh, Akarat and Bokathos are on vacation. Who knows? Uh, however, We'll probably find out at some point a little bit more about that and what happens with the first Nephilim. Uh, we're going to move on to our next question, though, which comes from Tasso. Uh, recently listened to every episode of the last year to current. Thank you, by the way. Uh, OG Blizzard fan since the days of Warcraft Orcs and Humans. Wow. Uh, one of us. I appreciate that. A lot of the story didn't really sink in over the years, and even into WoW is mainly a horde PvP player. Shadowlands drop, and it's pretty sure the first time I've ever heard of the character Bolvar Four Dragon, which I think is such a dope name. <laughs> As it turns out, so many characters have been around so long that never stuck in my goldfish brain. I don't think anyone asked yet. Could Wood, Joe, Matt, and company discuss the pros and cons of revisiting all the current WoW lore content chronologically versus release date order? order with your knowledge and insights it would be interesting to hear all you ponder the different paths so the reason i put this in here is i think it's an interesting an interesting point that we've talked about occasionally and it's is the warcraft lore gotten so large that there needs to be something in game or something easier for players to access that sort of recap the stories i have an opinion on that matt do you have an opinion on that that you want to share uh there should be something in game that when you go to it actually tells you lies and confuses you so you have no idea what's going on now i um i only half believe that i think that would be a great dungeon if you come into the dungeon of of confused bullshit beep and it just (laughs) it just gives you like complete garbage but i do think um i one of the things i've always taken pains to do when we talk about any of this stuff is to say you know i i am an interested fan Mm mm-hmm I am not pretending to know everything. Uh, As a matter of fact, we know we don't know everything. Yeah. There's always stuff you you don't know, you haven't heard. Like, what's the what's the thing on the internet? Um, I was 10 years old when I found out X. Um, there's a, I think Stan Lee once said this, uh, talking about comic books. He's like that every character is somebody's favorite and every comic is somebody's first comic. Um, and when you're talking about World of Warcraft, even though it's not comic books, it does have that same problem or rather quality mm-hmm. in that, you know, you're you found out about Bolvar and Shadow Dragon in Shadowlands. Some people found about uh, Bolgar back in like vanilla World of Warcraft when they were like playing around in Stormwind and and first ran into the keep and saw him. Um, the character's been around for a long time, but obviously everyone discovers these characters at different phases of their lives and different phases of play. I don't. I'd like it if there was a way to do this that wasn't just you know go to a place and have people tell you stuff. Like, I don't know how to, to one of the things I've been thinking about is it would be kind of cool if they brought back the lore walkers, um, from, from Mist of Pandaria mm-hmm. and had, and had the, the Pandarian, like imagine if the people of Pandaria, now that they're kind of forcibly integrated into Azeroth, if you want what we were just talking about with how is not really being part of Azeroth, I mean, Sanctuary is kind of what Pandaria was like for Azeroth, because the mists kept them just out. 
Like all this stuff was happening and they did not know about it. Couldn't know about it. Couldn't go see it. So now that they're connected, now that people from outside of Pandaria, even Pandaren from outside of Pandaria are going to Pandaria, the Pandarians can go out of Pandaria too. And we've seen that. We've seen them do that too. So it would be cool if they were like collecting lore to, to try and understand the world that they're now in. And you, if they recruited us to help them, that'd give you a reason to do stuff with this, to learn it, to understand it. That isn't just, you know, hello, I'm a talking head. And here now is like, I'm going to, I'm going to complain about something for a second here. Uh, Do you guys, Joe, since Joe is the only one who can actually hear me talking, you've read David Eddings at all? Absolutely. I have my problems with David Eddings, both as a person and as a writer. There's plenty to have a problem with. <laughs> and I, I've read the, uh, the, you know, the, the, the Belgarian, I've read the Belgarian, of course, but I've also read like the, you know, the, uh, the Eleniad and then the one that followed it, the one that, the dealing with like the Knights, like Sparhawk and all that. Okay. And one of the ones that really got to me was the character of Zanisha, who is in the second trilogy in the same world with the, with the, Eleni- with the Eleniad. I can never remember its name, but it's, Zanisha is from my, from my perspective, Zanisha is from the land of the exposition dumpers because that's all she does in these books. Every time you, there's like, what's going on? Zanisha. Blah. And there's like, you know, 10, 10 pages later, you're like, okay, that's everything. Everybody knows about that. Thanks. I don't like it when books do that. I don't like it when stories do that. I don't like it when you don't discover it because you go there and experience it. You discover it because somebody steps out from around a corner and goes, hi, would you like some lore? And while I do, I, I am a sucker for lore. I, I, I much prefer it when the lore unfolds in a way, either because I run into pieces of it. Like we've talked before about the, the Bethesda slash uh, cyberpunk method of having data stuff that you find and read and it gives you a piece of stuff without, without, you know, it being, it's not a textbook about everything. It's just, you know, this person's writing a letter to this person and you find it and read it. And okay, now I know a little bit. I like that, that approach, but I also like the idea of we're just straight up going on adventures to the, like, you know, what created the world? Well, this maniac is trying to go there and, and undo it. So we're going to follow them. And while we do, we're going to see all this stuff and that stuff is going to tell us things. I, I, I like that idea. So I would like it if the lore walkers came back, possibly, you know, hooking up with the uh, bronze dragon flight in some way. Cause they've got this, the, 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 you know, they've got their whole new program that they're doing and go forth into history, actually going to those times. Like one of my favorite quests in uh dragonflight is the one where you go back in time while trying to get Chromie back and you end up in the black empire. And we've talked about this before that the black empire one that has huge potential for the entire rest of world of Warcraft lore and, and our involvement in it. And you see it and you go there. And that's the kind of thing I would like more of. I, I don't want it to just be, you know, well, we now go to the hall of heroes in Stormwind, and here's a bunch of statues you click on and they tell you the story of such character. Cause that doesn't feel like gameplay to me. Yeah, so my opinion on this has been for a very long time, and this is something I feel strongly about. They have a vehicle in the game in which to sort of bring players up to speed on a bunch of this stuff without having to rely on outside lore sources. Don't get me wrong. I love you guys coming here and listening to us, but we're always going to miss things if we try to cover all of it. It's a The game's been around forever at this point. And we don't have enough time per episode, man. We don't. Like, we just did a recap of Diablo 4, just Diablo 4, 
It took us like four episodes. Four episodes, extended length episodes. It took us about eight hours, and we missed a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah, because that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So in this particular case, though, I think there are two things that are, are very distinctly Warcraftian that we could do. And Matt hit both of them on the head, but I think we combine the Lore Walkers with the Bronze Dragonflight and do a revisit to sort of a Caverns of Time experience. Because one of the things that I thought was interesting, and we see a little bit of it in the, the current Mega Dungeon, is when you're in the Mega Dungeon, you're going through the Timeways, you see uh, like an alternate world where like you you're, you go through the Timeways and you you're when you fight Morchi, it's either Alliance or Horde that you're fighting against, and it's the old war. It's back with, you know, Hellscream 1.0. So we're talking way back when. Um, you can get sort of an idea that we can revisit those places. Well, what happens if a lore walker has gone through the world, which we know that they've been doing now that the Bandaria is back to being one with the, the rest of the world, and goes to the Bronze Dragonflight and says... I want to experience this firsthand. And the bronze dragonfly goes, well, that's really dangerous. And you might mess things up if you, you know, alter the timeline, but we just got done dealing with all this stuff. And we have a hero available. Maybe they can go with you. And then we get to experience all of that stuff again. And I often wondered, maybe they even create, like, maybe they're like, it is too dangerous, but we have the sands of time. So we can allow you to mentally experience all these uh-huh. things as if you were going there. Combining like it with the lore walker yeah. magic, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots now, of ways you can do it. And what I always wondered is why not offer that as an alternate leveling experience? Because we have some great leveling experiences and, and I understand the, the level of effort of work would be immense, but I thought it would be really neat. And I've been thinking about this for a while. If, as a new player or as a player leveling an alt, uh, maybe you came in late and you you got your character to max, you're doing all the stuff, but then you want to level an alt and you want to level from scratch, maybe have that option where it's like experience the history of Warcraft as your leveling experience. And it takes you through the story while still giving you mechanical rewards by participating in things like the War of the Ancients and moving up through the Third War. We literally did this with uh, the first defeat of Archimond. When we went to Mount Hygel, we literally mm-hmm. went through the Caverns of Time and participated in the Warcraft 3 event, the canonical event, right? We helped yeah. the armies. We helped the armies at the bases exactly as it was laid out in that in Warcraft 3. Why not do something similar with a leveling experience that brings people up to speed with the major events and these characters and why they're important? Because, you know, Tasso is not the first person I've heard that has played exclusively one faction and maybe came in late and has no idea who a character is. And then all yeah. of a sudden that character pops up and they're like, why is this person important? Everybody's bending the knee. Cause again, the game has been around for, I mean, Warcraft alone has been around for almost 20 years at this point. I think we are actually past the 20 year mark. Are we? By a lot. Oh yeah. Cause, cause think about it. I mean, Warcraft, no, cause it released in 2000, it released in 2004 world of Warcraft. I'm talking oh, world of Warcraft. No. Okay, I thought you were saying Warcraft, just the no, no. entire Warcraft thing. Oh, yeah. No, Orcs vs. Orcs, Orcs Humans released in what? 92? 93? It's been a long time. I don't know the date off the top of my head, but I know 1994. It was 1994. Okay, so, so 10 years prior years. to that. So 30 years. 30 years this this universe has been around in real time. Yeah. With, and that's just, yeah, just in change. And think about how much it's changed over yeah. that time period, man. 
So, I mean, listen to what you're saying, though, dude. I love this idea and I want to jump onto it for a second. Please. Because one of the things I'm thinking about is imagine if it went like in terms of your leveling experience, you start off like you start off as a lower level character doing the stuff that's closer to your lifetime. Like you, you go back to the, say the, the first war and you experience the birth of Warcraft as we know it today. Mm-hmm. And then as you go up in levels, you go further back. So you don't start in the distant, distant past and come forward. You start in the recent past, which is more, it's closer to you right now. So it's more fundamental to the experience in a way. And then you move back, like you jump to new periods and experience them. Like you mentioned, the War of the Ancients. But the one thing we've we've seen various takes on the War of the Ancients. We've been to the War of the Ancients quite a few times now. You know, one thing that we've never seen and yet, which is super important, the Troll Wars. Yeah, I want to see those Troll Wars. Why? It is extremely and inf- extremely formative to the world. Yeah, both humans and and, and uh, high elves, which are the Blood Elves and and Void Elves now. Uh, their their reactions and interactions, them fighting the Amani. The reason the Amani aren't the dominant power uh, in the Eastern Kingdoms that they used to be. Um, the lead up to Gurubashi, because Gurubashi, uh, the whole thing with uh, with Kikthix and being being discovered, that's all part of the Troll Wars. Even though it happens much later, it's because of the the spreading of humanity down towards Gurubashi, it's because of the kingdom of Stormwind that the Gurubashi trolls get desperate and dig that guy up. And that's the, the end of Gurubashi. That's that what happened. That's what caused it. And that's what created the dark spears. Cause the dark spears were like, um, we uh, can we get as far away from this Hakar thing as we can? This is bad. This is bad. So yeah, there's just so much of it that we haven't seen. We've heard it mentioned, but we haven't seen it at all. It's never been in any game. Uh, and yeah, imagine, just imagine all the stuff we could, you could see. Yeah. There, there's an opportunity to sort of bring the story back into the game. And Matt and I have advocated for that for a while now. Uh, we've, yeah. it's one of the things, well, the outside stories and the books are fantastic and, you know, reading the writings of like Christy Golden are, are always going to be a great time. It's just, it's a lot to ask of some players right they're not everybody is us not everybody is is as tuned into it or consumes it in the same way that we do Mm -hmm. so so having something that helps reiterate that story in the game i think is good and they've already introduced things like now we have access to the timeways right like like we literally just opened that up that's the whole point of this patch with the mega dungeon is we literally help them crack open what's been in stasis for tens of thousands of years Right, because that's the other thing to consider. Like the Browns Dragonfly has been doing their thing without access directly to the timeways. They had agents that were stuck in there doing their thing, but until we got back to the Dragon Isles, yeah, that was it. That was all there was. Yeah, that's why it was so hard to deal with when you know the Caverns of Time were attacked by the old gods. There wasn't it was almost nothing they could do to stop it. Like it basically, Nordstormer was was paralyzed. That's why Ronan and Crassus ended up going back in time to the War of the Ancients. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's there is a lot of this stuff, and everything I just said, a lot of you have no idea what I just said. <laughs> You're like, what did he just? What is? Because it happened in books, you know, and that's that's not you know, games with tie-in media. It's always a balancing act, and it's hard. It's a hard thing to balance. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not just hard for the people doing the development, which it absolutely is, and you know, kudos to all of you. But it's also hard for for people who play the games and who love the stuff because 
not everybody learns the same way. Not everybody enjoys the same things. I like to read and I like to learn that way, but there's lots of people who don't. Yeah. So there are are some people that are kinesthetic learners. Yeah. And so, yeah, having it be in the game, having it be accessible in the game or as an option at the very least, Yeah, as, as an option at the very least. And not just because, because having it happen where you actually see it acted out in front of you and in front of your character, there's, there's a difference between that and even like cool stuff like the Overwatch uh, shorts we just saw, which, I mean, for all that we, we had our complaints, I mean, they were still pretty cool. It's just that, you know, we want more. We want more, more, more all the time. Um, and I think Joe's, Joe's got it right on, the, right on the money here. Like, it would just bringing it back to the game is making it accessible to people who, for whom the game is their way in. Hopefully that helps answer your question and gives you a little perspective. And maybe we'll see something to that. Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to say that we don't have 300 some odd episodes that you can go back and listen to that will kind of help you out as well. But I'm going to tell you that we have 300 some odd episodes that you can go back to and listen to and they'll help you out. Keep keep track of all these characters. So, uh, you know, it's there for you. We're here to support. Yeah, uh, we're going to move on to uh, I think we have time for one more question. Uh, and this one comes from Arrowhan. Uh, this is the incarnate seemed very certain that information would be found in Aberus that would be extremely demoralizing to the aspects. However, it doesn't seem like the aspects have a strong reaction overall. What is this big Azeroth shattering revelation supposed to be? Is it just how much Neltharian was doing immoral experiments before being corrupted? Why don't we get that big reaction? Was Firak too hungry for Shadowflame to focus? Is Eridicron just bad at reading the room? Um... Maybe. So Eridicron is, he's got his own plans. Eridicron's had his own plans from the very beginning. Uh, even before they were captured, even before they like were doing anything, while well, they made their deals, Eridicron has his own agenda. He wants power. And he is very aware of the void. I don't know that the other incarnates are, but Eridicron is. Um, we see that throughout Aberus. We see that through the Mega Dungeon as well when we confront him and, and the sort of ending scene of that, which I'm not going to ruin. Um, but he's got his own thing going on. Firak just wants to burn the world. Firak doesn't care about shattering the aspects. Firak just wants to, to destroy everything, wipe everything back to zero, and be done. He is very much what you would expect Wild Flame to want to do. He just wants mm-hmm. to burn. And... The Grand Revelation, I think part of it is that even before he was truly corrupted, Naltharian was doing not just immoral things, but was, again, trucking with forces that were anathema to them. Like, you go to his personal sanctum, and where do you find? He's been reading and experimenting with Void in particular. Shadow, he's been this thing, this... This thing that caused them to have to fight Galakron in the first place. This thing that we know corrupts absolutely. And yet here he is experimenting with it. He's trying to harness its power and not telling anyone. Not even his closest allies knew he was doing this. Not those that considered him a brother. And yeah, that's pretty disheartening. Go to the first boss of Avarice. Kazarok is a dragon that their flesh has been melted because he was experimenting with bolting molten plates to them. This is before he was corrupted. How is that going to be cool with any of them? I also think to a degree, it isn't that there's a lot of ways to think about what demoralizing is. 
Um, we, we're used to demoralizing B along the concept of, you know, they've lost the will to fight because that's usually how it's used. But one of the things it can also be used to do is it can be used to, to turn allies against each other Mm -hmm. and it can be used to divide people's focus. Like they're not, if they're not, I think a Ritochron is thinking what a Ritochron is really thinking is if they're busy dealing with all of this, they don't have time to figure out what I'm doing. Yep. The more, and I'm not saying that's what he tells the other incarnates because a Ritochron does not care about those, those uh, the other incarnates. They do not matter to Ritochron in the slightest. They are tools. Um, and it's also true that the, the incarnates themselves are also not monolithically united. We see that. Yeah, we see uh, we see Varanoth uh, having a conversation with Alex Straza. There's history between those two. Yeah, it, it seems from what Alex Straza says that they were very close at one. Um, College roommates, clearly. I, I was actually going to say, uh, if this was Critical Role, you would already be seeing uh, fan art. And then I'm like, what am I talking about? People have already drawn fan art of these two. Um, but yeah, th- there's there's a lot going on here. There's a lot we don't know about the period of time where all of this started. Like, and and that ties into stuff too. Like, we see a lot of stuff that Neltharian's doing, but one of the things that, that gets gets me and that doesn't get mentioned enough is that Neltharian was looking into the Titans. Yes, digging. He was digging into what the Titans had done and what they were doing. And we know that the Titans at least the Titan Forged, not the Titans themselves, because again, I, I keep all, we often say the Titans when we mean is the Titan Forged. Um, we're not of one mind about what the dragons should be. Um, and even Tyr talks about infusing them with order to to make them controllable. And Tyr is like their like their great champion. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I don't think we've, I don't think we've finished with what avarice is going to reveal. No. And then there's other things that could have happened there as well, too. Like one of the other things with avarice that I think often gets lost in the conversation is who was going into avarice. It was the black dragons going after the Drakthir for multiple reasons. It was, uh, Rathion and Sibelian trying to reclaim parts of their father's legacy and their, their knowledge. But, even Ebonhorn was was going to well up to the gates. He wasn't actually physically going in, uh, but he did as much as he did because he owed a debt to the Drakthir, and he wanted to make good on it. But the, these are the these are the legacy of Neltharion. These are the ones that have the potential to break the cycle of corruption that Neltharion. Or or embrace it. And here's a key factor of this. The entire time you're going through that raid, you are led by an image of Neltharion or an echo of Neltharion. And what is it doing? It's offering and praising both of the children. When you split one way, it's talking with Rathion, telling him how clever he is and praising him for his audacity and, and his strength of will and character. And then when you're with Sibelian, he's praising him for, you know, his tactical mind and how, you know, good of a leader he is and everything else. And then when you finally get down to the inner sanctum, like I want to call it the waiting room before you go to where the actual final battle is and you fight this shade of Neltharion, the first thing it says is, you did not accept my gifts. Pity, I hoped you would have. Personally, I think Ritochron knew that that thing was down there. 
And I think that part of it was also hoping that whatever was down there would corrupt the children and cause more mayhem. Like going back to what Matt was talking about, because imagine what would have happened if Rathian or Sibelian would have accepted the gift or if both of them would have. Now you have a new fresh cycle of corrupted black dragons that are now fighting against other black dragons and the rest of the dragon flight while Renacron's doing his stuff in, in the timeways, right? He's going after his true plan. And the reason I think he the, that he knew was there is because of what happens in the mega dungeon. And again, I don't want to spoiler it, but there's a moment where the final confrontation, when everything is said and done and he you're done dealing with him, that little three second or 13 second window, you see something happen and, and you realize he's deeper in and has more connections and knowledge than we previously considered. I think that was potentially part of it as well for the demoralizing, the taking away of the reunification of the dragon flights, because if it was successfully corrupted again, now they don't have, they no longer have the earth warders. They no longer have access to that. They now have a fresh set of, of mourning to do. The mortal champions lose a, a, a insanely useful ally because let's not, I mean, we fought an old God with Rathion, right? He was there with us. We could, we have done that without him. Probably not. We wouldn't have been able to get through the carapace. He figured out what needed to be done. Is he perfect? No, but without him, there's a several things that wouldn't have happened that probably would have been bad. So I think that's, that's something you also have to consider as far as the moralizing. Any other thoughts on that, Matt? I'm just thinking about in terms of, um, I don't know how to explain this exactly. I don't, I'm thinking in terms of how to explain why we're not done with it. And I think one of the things to think about is just as this onion gets unpeeled, things get more and more complicated. And we've seen with the, the um, Alex Straza scene from this expansion, you know, we know that she's already on the brink. Yeah. Like she's having to do a lot. Um, so yeah, there, there's, I don't think that they were, I don't think that, um, Eridicron can be taken at face value when no. he says things to the other incarnates. Not even like, close. But also, I don't think that we're necessarily... It's not that they haven't reacted so much as, when did they get time to react? Think about this, too. We're now already... like we, We're still in the patch where Avarice is introduced, and then we get this patch where there's suddenly the time waves are going crazy, and now we got to deal with that. There's no time. To be like, oh, I can't yeah. believe all the things Neltharion did. You know, it's like put it in a box and we it's, have to move on. It's a siege. Crisis. Yeah, it's a siege. It, it is. It is a siege from the very beginning. It is engineered to be a campaign of distraction whilst he goes for what he wants, it's, which yeah. we don't know what it is. It's just emotional so, turmoil and emotional baggage piled up high, breaking down the enemy. I think of it this way. Uh, of all games, Diablo four is actually a good example of this, where we're spending most of that game. We have no idea what Lilith is doing. Yeah. And it's just now coming to, 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 to my mind that we have even less of an idea what a Ritacron's doing. Cause we don't know anything about him. Well, other than again, we have been dropped. Yeah. Like, we, have, you know, we were starting, we're starting to get, we're starting, yeah, to, we're get starting to get there. We're starting to get there as of now, but we've been acting, trying to prevent what the incarnates are doing without any real knowledge of what the incarnates are doing. And that's, you know, I think we're at the point where we're going to see us having to switch pathways to beat him. Like we're not going to beat him if we keep running after him. 
You know, you, the, the, play, the way to beat somebody is not to be following their footsteps continuously. You have to get out ahead of them. So, yeah, there, there's a lot more going on here that we're going to get to see. But, yeah, I definitely think that I definitely think that had things gone badly in Aberus, uh, Riddicron wasn't wouldn't have been wrong. Yeah. No, if, if keep keep in mind, it certainly wasn't his intention that the Black Dragonflight come out unified and with a, a, a new choice to be the next aspect if one is ever created. Uh, so that's worth considering. Well, hopefully that answers your question and gives you a little insight, but I think that's going to do it for us today, folks. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast signing community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast. Better chance of having your question answered on our podcast for the Q&A and ads free site experience. Again, if you have questions for any of our podcasts, be sure to send them in. You can send those into podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Specify what show it is for in the subject line if you could please. Also, hit us up on Discord. We have our Q and Podcast Questions channel, which is open for everybody. Uh, if you are a Patreon supporter, where all these questions came from this week, thank you again. Uh, you can hit us up on our Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel. We ask that again, you give us what show it's for, and if, like many of you did, and I appreciate it, I truly do, giving us pronunciations of your name, it helps immensely. Another thing that I'm going to call to action here, and I've been doing this a lot lately. Discoverability is going to be a problem for shows like ours in the future, just due to sort of the death of Twitter, uh, which is sort of inevitable, which means that if you can share our content on any of the platforms that you're on, it would be appreciated giving us comments, likes, uh, follows anything on anywhere that we are. It would help immensely, including, and many people don't know this, all of our podcasts are available on YouTube as well subscribing to that channel, giving it likes and upvotes, leaving comments on the comment section there help immensely with us battling against an already inundated algorithm system to make sure that our show is sticking around for a while. And if you can support us monetarily, please do consider the Patreon because that also helps us. Well, I say keep the lights on. Uh, That is legitimately the case. (laughs) So any way you can help us, we do appreciate it. And yeah. Thank you very much. With that, folks, we'll see you next week. Pumpkins. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.